Blog Talk Radio. Morning, this is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. The secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. Good morning, this is Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. And today's show, we're going to take a few calls. We're going to have ex-social worker from Riverside County, Terry Greenstein, who's coming in or who will be calling in to talk to us uh, some more about what you should do and not do when you're dealing with social workers. And before we get into that, I'm going to be talking about a couple of things that happened in the past couple of weeks for me uh, with some juvenile dependency cases. Um, Today I'm giving a training after the show to some attorneys in my office. And so what I want to do is give you a preview of that training so that you may also um, use that when you're dealing with social workers. The first thing that I'm going to talk about is the what we call the investigative matters. Um, that's, before, that's when a social worker gets involved in your life uh, before there is an actual court case. So usually um, cases start in this manner. Um, they're called child abuse referrals, and they come in by certain certain ways. Usually it's a call to the um, local CPS hotline, and or it can be a call to the police. Now, in life there are, uh, in California anyway, and in most states, there are something called mandated reporters. So mandated reporters is defined in the California Penal Code, Section 1165.7. Examples of mandated reporters are school personnel, health care professionals, that means doctors and nurses, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, licensed clinical social workers, mental and those are all covered under the umbrella of the mental health professionals. If you look at Penal Code 1165.7, there are over 46 categories of people who are mandated reporters in California. So what's a mandated reporter? A mandated reporter is anyone that sees or fears or believes that there has been child abuse or there is child abuse occurring. Um, I recently was involved in a case where a child went to school with a couple of scratches on his neck. And I'm talking very small scratches. I had pictures taken the day that the child was uh, detained, and there were two small scratches. And the somebody at the school believed it was child abuse. They asked the child about it, and the child explained how they got, got the scratches, and it wasn't child abuse. But the police were called, and the child was taken away from the parents. So that's a mandated child, um, child reporter. 
there are different stages of a referral for child abuse. Usually in the first stage, this child social worker contacts the parent. Um, and usually no one's home. They come out in the middle of the day when everybody's at work and they leave a business card. Sometimes the social worker has already spoken to one or both of the parents or even has gone to the child's school. Now, right now, I think they're trying to determine whether a social worker going to the child's school without the parent's um, permission is even legal or constitutional. Um, In a case in San Diego, it was ruled to be unconstitutional, a violation of the parent's civil rights, violation of the child's civil rights, and the county of San Diego has taken that case upon appeal to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So I think we're still waiting to find out what the court decides. Um, usually, you know, the social worker comes over and you speak to the social worker, and the, child, the social worker usually wants to come into the home, do interviews, and do a home inspection. Now, I want to stop for a second. It is my general recommendations that you never speak to a social worker, at least without your attorney present. So you want to probably third party it. And that, I mean, you tell the social worker, hey, I'd love to talk to you, but I can't. I need to have my attorney present. That's what he or she has told me in the past. And I'll have my attorney contact you and set up an interview or a, you know, inspection of my home. Social workers can get warrants, but we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Sometimes a social worker has already implemented a safety plan, and the parents have entered into a voluntary maintenance contract. They call it a VFM uh, with the social worker. And usually in that case, no uh, real juvenile court case is filed in the superior court. Social workers have checklists. And usually the social worker goes through his or her checklist and decides to, A, close the referral as either unfounded, inconclusive, or substantiated. Sometimes the social worker will make a decision to file a petition with the court in the Superior Court of California. So the question becomes, what should you do first? Well, you have to write down, type out the facts surrounding the referral. So immediately upon your contact with a social worker, it is my opinion you should contact an attorney that practices in this area. And I don't mean a criminal attorney. I don't mean a family law attorney that does divorce and child custody. I mean a a juvenile dependency case attorney, a CPS attorney, Child Protective Services defense attorney. And if you want to help that attorney and help yourself, contact uh, or write down all of the information that you need to present the facts. Many times clients come to talk to me and we have, you know, an hour meeting. And inevitably, Uh, The client forgets, just because it's human nature, um, to 
tell me everything that has happened. That's why I stress people to write down all of the facts, type them out. And by the way, that one exercise is going to take a few to several hours, but it's well worth it. Now, my office has developed a questionnaire um, to help assist in preparing and dealing with social workers. So if you want a copy of that questionnaire, just give me a call at 888-888-6582, or you can email me at v.davis at vincentwdavis.com. And hopefully I'll have time today to go over that questionnaire. If not, I can just give you a copy of it if you call in. The first thing that you want to do is you want to find out who the social worker's supervisor is and who the social worker's county council is. The reason why this is important is in case you have complaints or you need to take this to a different level or you need to give the information to your attorney, um, <clears throat> you'll have this information on hand. The first 24 hours um, when the social worker receives the investigative matters are very important. So it's very important that you, you know, write down the information, gather the documents, get doctor's reports, get, you know, psychologist reports if a counselor is involved, and have those ready to discuss them with the attorney. Generally, when the social worker does get in contact with the client and, the, you know, in person or over the phone, generally the client, you know, you're going to be in a state of probably panic and, and frustration. The social worker is going to continue to try to contact you even if you tell the attorney, excuse me, tell the social worker you have an attorney. So please make sure that you don't speak to the social worker, text with the social worker, or email with the social worker until and unless you talk to an attorney and or the attorney can be present. Sometimes people call me and the social worker's at the door. And this is the first time we've talked and the social worker is told that I'm gonna be on the phone, on the speakerphone, uh, trying to represent the client. So that's how extremely important uh, this is. I want you to think about this. If someone has reported you for suspected child abuse or child abuse, uh, the social worker hasn't actually seen or talked to you. The social worker doesn't have evidence to take your children. The social worker will get evidence if he or she talks to you and you give them the evidence of what has happened or what has gone on. That is why I tell people don't talk to social workers. A lot of people believe they can out-talk, out-think, and talk their way out of anything. Let me tell you, after 31 years of practicing law this December, I've had, you know, thousands of clients who have told me, I thought I could talk my way out of it, basically. You can't. They are there for one purpose, and that purpose is to gather information against you in case they want to start a voluntary case or start a court case. Now, I should warn you, when you talk to social workers, whatever you tell a social worker can be used by the police authorities against you in a criminal case. 
the social worker can come to court and say, well, I spoke to mom or I spoke to dad, and they said blah, blah, blah. And you were thinking that you were talking the social worker out of a uh, out from taking your children when in actuality he or she was gathering evidence against you. Now, one of the first things that I do when I'm contacted by a person um, where there's no case yet, but there's a social worker investigation, is we contact the county council. Um, generally, in Los Angeles County, we know who that person is because each um, social worker office is stationed um, or manned by a what they call outstation county council. And that person is the person who deals with the social worker before a case is uh, filed in court. After the case is filed in court, a new county council was assigned to the case. But before the case is filed, there's usually one social worker, excuse me, one county council in that office. And, you know, we have a list. In L.A. County, if you have a case in L.A. County and you want to know who the social worker's attorney is, all you have to do is call the county council's office at 323-526-6100 and ask for the outstation county council at the blank office. So around um, Los Angeles County, there are several DCFS slash CPS offices, and each of them has at least one county council assigned to it. So what I generally do is I contact the county council, and I generally do it by email so that I'm creating a paper trail. It might take numerous attempts for that county council to respond to me. Um, if you would like to see samples of my emails, please call me or email me, and we can give you samples of the emails which to use in terms of contacting the county council at the very beginning of the case. Um, usually, the before the county council will talk to me, uh, they will require a um, LA juvenile form um, 010. And I also have a copy of that. Basically, what the form says is that I represent the mother or the father, and you can, you have permission to talk to me about the case. And generally, it's a form that is signed by the client. Now, I, you know, I've been doing this so long in Los Angeles County. Um, most county councils um, don't ask me to sign that because they know me. If I call them up and say, hey, I represent uh, uh, John Doe, um, you know, I can send you an email about it, or I'm just telling you that. Uh, that suffice. Uh, that suffices for most county council. If not, you know, we have to use the form. Um, this really becomes an issue in other counties. We represent people all over the state of California, and um, you know, sometimes I do have to file that form or send a letter saying that I represent uh, the county council. In many cases, the social worker refuses to speak to me, which they and I don't try to speak to them unless I have written or emailed or text permission from the county council. Each county is different. Each county council is different. Some county councils, you know, they tell me, hey, work it out with the social worker. Some county councils, hey, you're not allowed to talk to my client, the social worker. And, you know, that's, uh, I just deal with the county council. 
I like dealing with county council and with social workers in email only uh, because I don't want any misunderstandings about what I said or what I represented. So if you have an email or you can have a text conversation, uh, that is usually good. I usually try to set up a meeting between myself, the county council, and the social worker. And generally, they want my client to be there. And we set up that meeting. Um, later today at 8.30 a.m., uh, a social worker is going to call, and our former social worker from CPS is going to call, and we are going to uh, talk about this issue about what should be said and not said in your initial meetings with county council or your initial meetings with the, the, the social worker himself or herself. Right now I'm going to break for a second, and I have about 15 minutes left before Terry, the social worker, calls in. So I'm going to try to take a couple of calls. We have some calls uh, stacking up in the queue, and my producer is asking me to signaling me to take a call. So the first call that I'm going to take is from area code 747, ending in 52. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a question to ask or a story to tell? Good morning. Okay, maybe that person is just listening on the phone. We'll go to another call. We're going to area code 562, ending in 17. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell uh, or a question to ask? Well, I'd like to share with your listeners uh, some of the mistakes that I did with my uh, uh, kids. Basically, I have a, a family man with uh, a uh, large family, three children, and a beautiful wife, and uh, we were struggling economically. We had an economic kind of disaster. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't uh, uh, the thing typically found in social services. But we did have a uh, a lot of family issues. That not only was an economic disaster. I also had an issue with a lot of. Uh, uh, clutter in my house and in the yard and stuff like that, only because of the fact that my parents were dying and I was trying to handle everything on a limited budget. But one of the first mistakes that I made, and I just regret it, is, you know, it's it's like listening to you, Vincent, as you talk from Saturday to Saturday or your books, and everybody listening, he's a wonderful attorney. I wish I had known you at the beginning. That's one of the hardest things are. When things that happen, like I was going along in life, and I was like 60 years old, and a beautiful home, beautiful family and stuff, and and all of a sudden, and I have a young family too, as well as an older family, but with my young kids, they were in school, they were doing great and everything, but it's like I didn't have the money more for the landscaper to cut the yard or take care of the trees, so everything was kind of ragged. My cars were you know on the driveways all the time because I couldn't afford to drive anywhere. They were older models, 20 years old, whatever it is. And the neighborhood, you know, they have a CCR. They were trying to knock it down, so they would call the first couple of times social service show up. They'd come out and they would just you know inquire about things and things that weren't true. 
And my problem is I should never, ever talk to a social worker. I agree with you 100%. That's the golden rule. And so what happened is that, uh, you know, I would talk to them and think if I was honest with them, nice with them, that they would be fair with me. I thought they represented the, the government and be really good, but instead they're just the opposite. They keep building a case. Well, one time a social worker didn't find us a home or something, so they called the police. And so they tried to bring the police out, and instead of bringing uh, – we weren't there at home at the time. So the next day, the police followed me from school. It was an undercover cop. Social worker had already talked to them, and uh, he followed me for a long time because I was going to go pick up my wife. She was getting her hair done. So anyway, uh, he pulls uh, – he has a black and white pull me over because he couldn't do there. Uh, and so uh, the mistake was even talking to the police. Uh, the police were undercover. I should never have talked to them. But he ordered me to follow me back to the house. And I did not know if I'd get arrested or what. That was the one thing I did not know. That was my mistake number one is, uh, you know, if a policeman pulls you over, you know, you take the ticket, you can appear to court, but don't give any information. You try to make me follow him. There, I guess I could have said, do you have a warrant? What are you doing? What Things like that. So we go back to the house, and the social workers are there. So the police, the social workers, they called out code enforcement. They called out the fire department. There must have been 20 people there. And I'm with my, at that time, my uh, 11-year-old, uh, no, my 9-year-old son, he was only 9 at the time, he was pretty shaken up, you know. He was only an adult standing around. And trying to ask me a zillion questions, I'm trying to talk to them, and I really didn't want them to come in because I had my parents' belongings in the yard underneath tarps. I had things stacked, and so it, you know, it didn't look like it should. It looked cluttered, and uh, it wasn't trash. And you have those kind of things. The mistake was I was talking to people. If I known you, I would have said one moment I need to call my attorney. You need to get a warrant. I could have pressed the issue and stuff like that, but I didn't. So. That's the golden rule is you, you don't want to talk to people. As I talked to people, I was being open and honest, and they just turned everything around. The clutter that was on the step, they said that was trash. They said that the cars are parked in the driveway were in disarray. They weren't in disarray. There's older models. So these are all the mistakes. Well, the case get worse and worse, of course, because they come in there. Even though the kids' rooms were found to be clean, immaculate, the kids were in school, they were nicely dressed, they were showered and clean. They kept trying to dig at it, and they started digging at the uh, – they rounded up all the children. They took all my children. I couldn't believe it. They went to my son's high school, grabbed them, and then they went to uh, my uh, uh, daughter's school and grabbed her, and I had my son, and He's being taken off. They're all being hiled off. And meanwhile, the detectives talking to me, code enforcement talking to me. They're trying to find something wrong with the smoke alarms. All the smoke alarms are working. And it was just, it was just, a, it was just a, a trip, a hazard after hazard. And so they took all my kids. And the next day, they decide where they're going to put them. And they put them down in Orangewood in Orange County. And it was just a horrific thing for us. Instead of sitting there saying, look, we need to help this family. It looks like they have some issues. They were like on a vendetta. They were like trying to be a witch hunt. I could not believe the uh, the audacity of social workers that are supposed to be trained to be fair and impartial were on a witch hunt. It was just, you know, 
And at first, you know, you get your public defender. And the public defenders and the judge and the social workers are all in cahoots, meaning that they're all paid by the same people. It's a money-making thing. And so with the money-making thing happening, you know, it's like they said, oh, good, we got a rich family. It's on the dirt stuff. We'll try and take all his money away. And, yes, I had lost my job through no fault of my own. And it was not it was it was it's just a temporary thing. Of course I was pretty sad about everything because it was a change of lifestyle to go from a nice lifestyle down in the pits where in you know, in a while a couple of years later I was living in my car, but the mistake was opening up to people that are supposed to help you. Um, you know, and it was just like it's one thing after another and then they get the public attorney and they weren't doing anything. So I started writing emails uh, uh, to the uh, social workers. I started meeting the higher-ups. I went to the top dog in CPS for Orange County. He's a joke. Uh, He sits at Taj Mahal up there on the top floor. They're so wealthy with money. Instead of saying, here's a fam that can use some help with food and maybe some help with clothing or help with assistance with repairs, or we can help you with a couple of butts for storage, or we can help there. They weren't interested in it. They were on a vendetta. And then on top of all that, another mistake is reach out to our family members thinking they can help us. And that was another mistake. Uh, of course, my family, I didn't have any family members I could really have my kids stand, but my wife had several sisters. Well, these sisters were just the worst. They did the opposite. They ended up just doing it. My poor wife been so disarranged from her family. Her family turned on her. They just weren't, uh, I don't know if they're just jealous because we lived in a nice community, a nice home, or what, but they just went ape on her, and so that didn't work. So we were just going down the roads of mistakes, and it's like, you know, it's 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 like you know, right away, they, they press criminal charges, duplicating everything social services does. And I should not have plea bargained. When I plea bargain on a criminal charge, yeah, you maybe save some money and maybe you 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 uh, get rid of some of the charges. But the other charges, they still make you go through all the courses, years and years of courses and classes. They put a restraining order on you, and you know, and they and they come up and say you endanger the kids because you have boxes piled too high. I mean, you know, this is just the ludicrous thing there. So the mistake was was plea bargain because it hurt me then. I can't get work when you have a misdemeanor on your record. You can't uh, get work when you have a restraining order on your work, on your record. You can't get uh, work if you're on formal probation. And it's like I'm going to the probation guy, and the probation guy says, what are you doing in here? I have 50 other people, and they're nothing like you. They're so zoned out on drugs and so much on you know, violence and stuff like that. You're nothing there. You don't have any tattoos there. So I am in the system of nightmares. And it got so bad that the social worker said, I want to put a restraining order on you because I don't think the criminal restraining order is good enough. And by that time, you know, I pretty much got rid of a public defender and I met a really great attorney who started turning the world around. But meanwhile, I did all the wrong things. You don't write social workers. Yes, take notes. Take a lot of notes. You know, document things. Document things. That acronym that Vincent uses, CHILD, is an excellent tool 
You know, it really is. Uh, he has this thing that there's steps you need to do, and you need to document things. You don't talk to a social worker without your attorney present. You follow your your attorney, everything he does to do. You just be nice and cordial and say, I can't talk without my attorney. And I did not know all this. You don't know this. There is not. Uh, you know, I wish there was a book out there that would tell you. Uh, there is a book, you know, but I'm just saying that the general lay person, the person is not an attorney, is not familiar with with uh, how to get your children back or something like that, doesn't know. And, and it's hard to find good attorneys. It really is because a lot of them are fabulous, credible and stuff. And so these are some of the mistakes I kept making. So, you know, a while later after she got the restraining order, the social worker then comes out and sees me, which I'm more than 100 yards away from the residence. We were in the transits of moving things to my wife's apartment because we had to move out of the house. And uh, she would uh, drop me off 100 yards at a, at a block that was so far away. When she comes out there and says, hey, come here, come here. I said, I can't come over there. You put me too close to the residence. Then she goes and makes up a story for a whole year. We had to go down every month because we're having a trial for violating the restraining order. In the end, they couldn't prove their case. They finally bowed out. The thing was dropped. But it's like that was one of the worst nightmares. And then they come on the stand. Man, do they lie. It's just unbelievable. And the judge up there, the judge that's trying the case in Orange County, he never had any experience in child things. He was a, uh, a, uh, a, a judge or he was an attorney that did uh, car lawsuits about damages to cars. I mean, this is a guy who's taking care of your children and your families. And there's like a cattle farm down there in Orange County. It's like I go on the floor there. I've met so many people that are just horrified. And a lot of people do have issues. There's no question about that. But instead of sitting there, let's get to the problem. Let's find out what the problems are. Let's have the kids put into relatives or family, friends, you know. Let's have it there. They instead want to torture them, put them in foster care, break up families, get them in there. Then they only do that. The foster care, the foster care are really bad. Boys Town, USA, started to be foster care home for Orange County. They eventually got fired because they underbid the job, and they were teaching the wrong things. They're telling when you see your parents, don't hug them. When you see your parents, put your hands down the side. Show no emotions. So what they're doing is that I had a wonderful family that loved to hug and kiss, and now my family is, is completely bad. I mean, my daughter was kidnapped by social service, brainwashed, and now she's in foster care and she divorced us, and she's gone at 16. I mean, here's a girl that loved her parents dearly, and she has nothing to do with her mom or dad. Our two sons, finally, one son who finally turned 18 said, enough is enough. I want out of this hellhole. He told her to be off. And he's home back with us, and he's and he's and recovering. My other son, who had you know had turned uh, 12 at the time, says, "Hey, I have rights. I want to stop nonsense." They were bullying him so bad they locked him up a room. They hit him and punished him. He goes to church, and he's a Catholic. And there's a little outing for young kids to go behind there. He left the uh, social worker to go back there, and she scolded him in the car. This this is so bad. So, you know, the, the homes for the kids, the foster care people, 
I hit every bad move along the way. I did not see anything positive out of anything. It cost you money. And, you know, three years later, I'm still looking for work. Three years, because they put a four-year restraining order on you. And it's like, you know, your credit is bad enough. When you lose your home, you lose your money, and you, and you go to chapter. So you have bad enough with credit. So, you know, you're a high earner. You're trying to get a job in there. They look at this guy. We don't want to hire this guy. Look at him. He's a dangerous kid. He's got a misdemeanor. He's still in probation. He, you know, his formal uh, formal probation has a restraining order. And so all this is going on and on and on. So to all you listeners out there, you know, follow what your attorney says. Find a good attorney. Get to know all the ins and outs. Do not discuss anything with a chauffeur. They're not your friend. They're not there to help you. And don't believe anything. Don't talk to the police. You know, use your civil rights. Your attorney will tell you what you can do, what can't do. And one of the mistakes, the biggest mistake I do is trusted social workers, police people, you know, that they're really they're good people. They're out to help you. No, in California, California is one of the worst states for families, you know, that get their kids taken away, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like the, what I envision. I wasn't born during World War II, but back in World War II, you saw the atrocities by our government officials. I felt like I was in, in Nazi Germany uh, with the way these social workers are working, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just been a nightmare, Vincent. So I like to share that with you. And again, thank you for all that you do. Uh, for getting our kids back. You have a marvelous radio show, and I like everything you do. Well, thank you for your call, and keep listening. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. We're going to go to uh, our special guest this week. Terry, are you there? Yes. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Terry, tell us, tell the audience who you are, uh, what you do, what you used to do, and how they can contact you. Sure. Thank you very much, Vince. My name is Terry Greenstein. I'm a retired social worker from Riverside County. I was there for 14 years, uh, nine years. Um, doing child abuse investigations and five years doing uh, working with the families that have uh, gone to court. Uh, now, after retirement, I work with attorneys and I work with the public to uh, help people with cases with child protective services. Um, I do document reviews, looking for mistakes that social workers make. Um, I will test, come and testify. I will write reports. Um, I work with attorneys like, like Vince um, on Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment uh, civil rights lawsuits. Um, and I'd like to say I do have a winning record. Uh, I'd like to say that because no one else really does what I do. It's a very, very special uh, very, uh, it's, a, it's a specialty, um, and I like, I'm like, I like what I'm doing because I believe that 
there are good social workers out there, but there are twice as many bad social workers out there. Administration making decisions for social workers, things like covering their butts, making decisions that, that hurt families. Um, it's, it's ridiculous what, what they do today. Uh, very, different, very different from when I was a social worker. Things have really changed. Um, so my company is called TEG Consultants. My phone number is 951-236-2379. My email is tegconsultants at gmail.com. TEG Consultants at gmail.com. That's a, that's a new um, address. Um, TEG Consultants.org is my website. I'm redoing my website and up, updating it. It's been a while. So people can call me. I do talk to people. I do look at their records. I do recommendations. I will do reports, even for family law. I will do reports. Uh, if you have a family law case, uh, I will review um, documents for that as well, and I will testify in family law court. Um, I really like what I'm doing. I really enjoy it. Um, it's it's been helping people for years and years and years and years, and this is just another way of, of helping people get through a, a very difficult system, a very complicated system, and above all, educate people about the system so they know their rights and the law so they can protect themselves when a, no, when a social worker knocks on the door. Um, and to that, I just want to add one last thing before I go into today's topic, and that is that people have asked me to write a book, a short book, like a primer or a primer, and it's going to be called Surprise, What to Do When the Social Worker Comes Knocking at Your Door. It's going to be, it's going to be short. It's going to be easy to read and easy to understand. And I hope people, once I get it out there, I hope people will read it and educate themselves on what's going to be, what, what they can do to protect themselves when they do get that knock on the door when they get their notice that, that a social worker has talked to their children at school without their permission, things like that. So people can, can really understand their rights and how, how CPS really works. And, and, and above all, the mistakes that people make when they're talking to social workers really point out all those little mistakes, what to do and what not to do. So that's going to be coming up. I'm very excited about the project. Well, very good. I'm glad to hear that. That sounds like a a, a must-have resource um, for people that have to deal with CPS or people that, you know, probably haven't dealt with CPS but may in the future. So uh, that sounds like a great resource. Is there any way you can give us a little preview about some of the things in the book today, Terry? Sure. Sure. Um, basically, basically, the it's going to be how the system works. Uh, it's going to focus on the intake 
how people, how calls come into the call center and how that works, and investigation. It's just going to cover that. Um, it's going to talk about the child uh, welfare system, the child management system, which is the statewide computer system that all counties use or supposed to use. Uh, I'm going to be talking about mandated reporters. Um, if you have a referral, what information is on the referral so you understand when the social worker comes with a piece of paper, what all is, what all information is in those, in those papers. Um, it, we're going to be talking about if you have a prior CPS history, what could or could not happen. Um, we're going to be talking about the anatomy of a home call. Uh, basically, what the social worker is supposed to do. Now, I'm going to base it off of best practices, um, which is a key word. That, and I'm going to have key words throughout the book, um, specifically to uh, social work, uh, so that you can know uh, what to look for, because they will try and trip you up. So... It's going to be educational so you can understand what's going on. It's going to talk about school visits, the rights of your children at school, what the social, what the social worker can ask or ask for, um, talking to teachers and things like that. We're going to be talking about cooperation with investigations. Now, I usually tell people, cooperate, but... There are things that you need to do if you're going to cooperate, okay? So we're going to talk about that, what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. Uh, we're going to talk about social workers coming to your door. In fact, I, I know your audience is really wide, but there was a woman who uh, identifies herself as a social worker in Santa Ana, California, the other day, trying to take a child um, from a lady, and the lady said no, got her picture on, on the phone, they put it in the news, and she turned herself in and was arrested yesterday. So social workers always have identification. They have to have identification, county identification, and a business card. Yeah, so we're going to be talking. I'm going to be talking a lot about that, um, about things that you can ask the social worker, like their supervisor's name and telephone, and writing that on the back of their business card. Um, things like what you can ask about the allegations. Um, don't you don't have to ask about your rights. They're not going to tell you about your rights. Um, Don't get emotional. This is this is this is the hardest thing. This is the hardest thing people can do. Um, I don't have any words of wisdom on how not to get emotional. Take a deep breath and just listen. And if you're educated and have this information, you're going to do you're going to do just fine. In fact, I had some clients uh, about a month ago. Um, 
who listened to the show, who heard my show on this subject. We talked about their uh, upcoming visit from the social worker, and they got through it just fine, no problems, and the case was closed, and I was very happy to help that that, uh, couple get through that investigation. And I told them, don't get emotional. Just listen. Um, Don't give statements. Don't give statements to social workers unless you completely, completely, completely understand the question. Some social workers will really try and trip you up. Um, There are social workers out there, and I, I, I know it's, it's difficult for me to say this, but there are social workers out there whose goal is just to remove the kids. Let's just take the kids and let the court decide. Um, and of course, that breaks up families and does terrible emotional damage to to the children and and the whole family. Um, so, if the, if you're talking to a social worker, uh, basically. Uh, Ask questions. If you don't understand the question, have them rephrase it or just say, I just don't understand. I don't know what you're asking for. Um, Again, ask questions. Stick to the facts. That's the biggest thing. People, I don't know how many people remember the show Dragnet with Joe Friday. I'm getting up there in age. So he used to say, just the facts. I just want the facts, ma'am or sir. And that's the way that I used to do my investigations. All I want is the facts. I don't want all these stories and things like that. And that's what people really have to do. Stick to the facts. They ask you a question, answer the question. Don't go off on a tangent. Don't let your emotions get to you. And it, if you do that, that is the, I would say that is the biggest key to a successful interview is to just remain as non-emotional as possible and stick to the facts. Don't tell stories. Just really stick to the facts. The other thing that people do, and, and I'm only telling you this because it irks social workers is that people always ask or try to guess who called it in, who made the referral. Um, Number one, the social worker by law can't tell you. So you're not going to know. And it frustrates the social worker uh, to no end when you sit there and you go, oh, this person must have called, this person must have called. And then you make rationale, you know, make a rationale out of, all those, you know, reasons when it could be something very different. So mandated reporters um, are confidential and actually anybody can call in and actually you can call in anonymously. So there's a lot of referrals that are called in where the caller is, is been uh, anonymous. So don't ask. Um, Social workers, a good investigating social worker will have all their papers, all paperwork, pamphlets, 
things on parent, parent rights, published materials about your rights uh, and understandings of investigations. If you ask for it, they have to give it to you. That's the law. If you ask Wait, for those pamphlets, the, your, the, there are specific pamphlets as to your rights. Um, this was a policy that they put in um, after, no, well, just as I was leaving, they were update, updating all the, all the legal uh, paperwork that they have to give you when they do an investigation. And in fact, it should be noted on the contact notes that the social worker has to put in the computer that they gave you all those pamphlets. Now, I don't have the names of all of them right now, but one of them is Know Your Rights, and it goes into all, all your rights when there's an investigation um, in court. So social workers really need to have those pamphlets with you, with them, to give to you. Um, and they don't. Most of them don't. The other thing I want to talk about that goes along with that is paperwork. And this is a big one because we had a, we had a case and we won the case uh, because the social worker didn't have the proper paperwork. And they came and they asked the, the, the family to sign something but not get a copy. That is, that, is, that is malpractice. That is social worker malpractice and malfeasance. You're not to have anybody sign anything without giving them a, a copy. Um, whether or not they sign it, that's up to them. I would sign a copy and give it to them. That would be theirs, and then I would have a copy. And then social workers will come out and say, well, I don't have, I don't have an extra one. I'll go to the you know, go back to the office and send you one. Never, ever, ever sign anything without getting a copy. Um, you, because you social know, workers Terry, will I'm lie saying, about that. Right. So you know they what I'm will telling lie people, Terry, now? Terry, I'm telling people I'm sorry? to take a picture. I'm telling my clients to take a picture of everything the social worker gives them and has them signed. Yes. Everybody yes. has a smartphone. It has a camera and a video camera. Yes. It's also that, that, is a, that is an excellent idea. As far as tape recording, I would, I would, if a social worker knows they're being taped, they're not going to, they'll, they'll leave. They'll, they'll say no. What I tell people to do is take notes. The social worker is taking notes. You take notes just as well. If they can't tell you not to take notes, they can't say, hey, you can't do that, like they can sometimes with, 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 with actual audio recording, but just take notes and ask questions and note all that down. Um, that's, your best, that's your best defense. Um, just keep everything. Like Vince says, yeah, if, take pictures of everything. 
if the social worker is taking pictures, the social workers will come with cameras for certain things, and they will want to take pictures. You take pictures just as well. Um, I, I think that's the best safeguard. We have all these, these electronic tools today that we can use, and um, believe me, you know, use them. Uh, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is that you have rights, and the social worker is going to try to bend the rules and, and not allow you to have all your civil rights. And I don't know if it's out of – well, they have training, so I'm not going to say it's, it's out of ignorance because they have training on this. And I just want to let people know that social workers have to have 20 hours of training per year by law. So they take all these extra, extra classes and things like that. And then whenever things need to be updated, they have to go to trainings to have all these things updated with the laws. So, you know, social workers can say, I didn't know, but they do know. They can get up on the stand and lie, but we'll catch them. Um, if you, you know, the other thing is, if you're not satisfied with a social worker, just contact the social worker supervisor. They have a supervisor. The, the, the um, easiest way to get a hold of the supervisor is just call the office and ask for the supervisor. Um, social workers will not give the supervisor's number, direct number out. Um, so call the super, ask, ask for the supervisor. My mom used to say, if you're not satisfied, go to the top. If you don't like what the supervisor says, go above the supervisor to the assistant regional manager, up to the regional manager, and then up to administration. Believe me, um, administration in the smaller counties, now I don't know about L.A. County because they're so big, but they do sometimes listen to people when they have complaints. Sometimes. Sometimes they don't. But the squeaky wheel gets the oil, of course, and um, if you don't make the complaints, they're not going to know about it. So complain. Complain away. Write letters. Do emails. Um, make phone calls. I prefer emails because everything is time-stamped and you have copies of everything. Um, so in fact, I was talking to a client yesterday about that, and we were talking about, she was talking about texting, and I said, probably better to do email because everything is, is time-stamped, and uh, they can't get away with, with saying I didn't receive it or, or whatever. So the, the biggest thing with social work is document, document, document. If you take that same stamp and document everything yourself, you're going to be in a better position. The other part with documenting everything is if the most unfortunate thing happens and you end up having to go to court, that you have all your documents. And the lady I was talking to yesterday, unfortunately, couldn't afford an attorney, so she had a court appointed attorney and the court appointed attorneys, they're, you know, they're only there to represent you in court, but 
not really do a case. So I explained to her that she has to be her own attorney and her own paralegal and understand the law and she has to do all the work, uh, keeping a folder, keeping a binder, all the paperwork that she has, all the notes, all the pictures and all that. And that's what you bring to court if you have to go to court. Be prepared. If you're not prepared, they're going to get you. They really will because the laws for removing children in the first place um, is on prima facie evidence only, which is the lowest level. And it's very easy to remove children just on prima facie evidence. So have your ducks in a row. Make sure that, that you know, that, that you understand what's going on because once you get into court, unless you have a private attorney like Vince, they're not going to work in your best interest. And that's, unfortunately, that's, that's the truth, isn't it, Vince? Well, you know, I don't want to put down any attorneys, uh, but I have heard people say that many times. Yeah. Well, the unfortunate, and I'm only I'm only going with with what I know, and that's Riverside County. And basically, they have the juvenile defense panel, and they're good attorneys. I'm not going to say they're not bad attorneys, and I like I like a lot of them, and a lot of them are still there. So they've been there 20 years or longer. The problem is, is in Riverside County is uh, the the JDP. Basically, one case they'll represent a child. The next case they'll represent the parent. So there's no real consistency. They just work with who they have, who assigns them. And they don't have any time for these cases. I mean, I've walked into their offices where, you know, they got piles and piles and piles of cases. And the problem is, is if you're walking in for the first time, they're going to hand you the report. And that's probably the first time they're reading it. So that's the problem. Is you, you will get an attorney, and they're competent, but they're so overwhelmed with all the other cases that they just you're just another case. It's just let's get let's get through the court calendar, and that's another thing that that I'm not going to touch upon in the book, but it's a big deal that that the calendar, the court cases, are so high today, and there's not enough juvenile judges um, that their calendar is, is backed up and unfortunately they have the need to get through all these cases and they don't give them a lot of time. So it's one after the other, after the other, after the, after the other, after the other. So it's not like you walk in, you can get a trial. You walk in, you get your hearing and if you want, you know, a trial and you have to ask for it, which means that, you know, you're, the hearing's postponed or continued so you have the trial, so you're going to wait another few months. You know, so people really have to understand the system and understand what they're, what, if they have a child taken away, what's going to happen and what they can do for their own best defense and getting the kids back. Um, let's see. Uh, don't always trust what the supervisor tells you. <laughs> Um, again, if you're not sure, call the supervisor. 
Um, a good supervisor will talk to you, explain things to you. Um, and I've had good supervisors. I was very lucky that I had some really, really, really good supervisors. So I know they're, they're, out, they're out there. Um, so you just call the supervisor. Um, if you agree to be interviewed by the social worker, please know that you can stop anytime. You can say, okay, that, that's enough. I've given you everything, time to go. They can't stay there. They can't harangue you. They can't harass you. Um, they have to go. They have to go. Um, know your rights. Um, document, document, document. Understand their documentation. That's why this book is going to be so important because I'm going to be going over some of the policies and procedures, um, universal policies and procedures, because in in California. Every county has their own policies and procedures based on state law. Um, be, there's going to be a glossary of terms so you understand words like exigency, safety, risk, which are all key words that social workers use um, so that you have an understanding about really how social workers work. Um, I'll be talking about the Welfare and Institution Codes here in California, um, the ten reasons that they can the, the ten reasons they can remove your children. Uh, a big thing we're going to be talking about in the book is strategic decision making, which is a big thing. And we and I um, I know I talked about this before, but I include that in all my reports um, because we found that uh, social workers. Uh, are not using the tool, and this is a tool that's used throughout the United States uh, for actually decision-making. Um, it's a decision tree that's supposed to be used. Social workers, by law, are supposed to use and are mandated to use, but don't use the tool properly. So I'd like to educate people on, on that particular tool because if they know about it, They'll know about what the social worker is going to ask because investigations start out with, again, two major terms, risk and safety. And those are what the social worker is assessing when they come out to your home. If you know what they're looking for, then you're better well off being educated that way. Um, we talked about the trees the decision trees, how they work, and what and what impact they really do have on the outcome of investigations. You know what? I just noticed the time, Vince. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't going to cut you off because you were giving such good information. Um, I am going to talk to you about coming back on the radio show, but I have a couple of announcements I have to make. But Terry, thank you for calling in, and we'll see you next thank time you. on the radio. Okay. So before we sign off today, I'm going to make a couple of announcements. Um, number one, one of the tools that um, I'm starting to use, and I would suggest 
that everyone at least look into it or talk to their attorney or even call me about it. If you believe your civil rights have uh, been violated, you can make a complaint uh, to the Department of Social Services here in California. You don't have to necessarily do it at the county level. I haven't been very uh, successful at that level, been more successful at the uh, state level. But the new tool that I'm using is making the complaint to the federal government, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, Believe it or not, the Department of Health and Human Services and their regulations are what controls all states, including California, the way their uh, CPS and the juvenile court system is implemented. They have uh, many, many regulations that social workers have to complain of. And I, although I was not involved in it, I learned recently of a case, and these are the basic facts. Um, The social worker detained a child from uh, the mother and refused to place the child in the mother and the mother and the grandmother's home. Uh, the mother had a disability. She ended up uh, she ended up losing custody of the child, and I think the child was even adopted out. Um, she filed a complaint with the Department of Health and Human Services, and she also find, uh, filed a complaint with the Department of Justice. And these are in, in administrative type complaints. Well, an investigation was conducted by federal social workers, and um, they even hired experts to evaluate the family. And uh, they concluded that the county social worker uh, had done some things that were improper, including discrimination against the person with a, a, a disability. Ah, oh, that was it. The mother filed a, um, also filed, an, I believe it's an ADA, uh, the Disability Act uh, complaint. And um, the social workers were told return the child to the mother and the grandmother immediately and or face losing your federal funding. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's federal money that drives this entire system of social workers, state and county social workers, and the juvenile court system. So guess what? Guess who got her child back by filing two complaints with the federal government? Um, If you'd like to talk to me about that more, please call my office, make an appointment to talk to me, 888-688-6582, and uh, my secretary um, is working today uh, from, I think, 9 to 5, so even if you want to call today to make a telephone uh, appointment to speak to me, even next week, that'll be fine. Uh, the second uh, announcement that I, I'm making is I'm in the process of videotaping, and I'm going to be uh, distributing it on the web, a course for parents and relatives. And the course, the tentative title is How to Win with Your Court-Appointed Attorney. And it's a course where I take you step-by-step and how you can increase the probability of winning your case, even if you have a court-appointed attorney. Listen, there are a lot of 
good court-appointed attorneys. There are bad court-appointed attorneys. There's a lot of attorneys in the middle. And one of the things that our, our guest just told you when he was in Riverside County, uh, these attorneys are pretty good attorneys. The problem is they have too many cases and not enough time. I remember many years ago, 20 years ago or so, um, I was a court-appointed attorney in Los Angeles County. And the biggest problem that I had was I had too many cases, not enough time. When you have three or 400 clients, um, you can't talk to them. It's just physically impossible. There's not enough time in the day. So if you find yourself in that position and you can't afford to hire a private attorney, I'm going to have this course, this webinar-based course, to show you and to teach you how you can still increase the odds and possibly win your case with your court-appointed attorney. I'm, I'm looking to release that probably in the next month or two, so stand by for further information on that. The last thing that I wanted to announce today is today is probably the last day for a live show, uh, for this particular show. Um, but f don't fret, my show is moving to KABC Radio, 790 on the AM dial, and it's going to be on Saturday evenings. The first show may be as early as next Saturday or as late as the Saturday after that. My past shows that I've done here on Block Talk Radio will remain on the web, and you can listen to them at any time. Who knows? I still may come back on a Saturday morning and do more call-ins, uh, you know, take more calls and have Terry and other guests on. But I'm, my, my plan right now is to move the entire show to KABC 790. I've also been told that that radio show um, is going to be streamed live and recorded on uh, through KABC. So you will still be able to hear the shows, you know, if you're not in the geographic area of KABC radio. So those are the three announcements. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience. I'll have more announcements regarding all three of these things that I've talked about today in the future, and I'll post them, or I'll have a live broadcast maybe on a Saturday morning again to give you updates and to tell you how to call into KABC Radio and talk to me there. Thank you for listening, and we'll keep seeing you on the radio. Thank you.